We made it. I Don't Know the Podcast is a year old. And as a way of celebration, we're doing another flipping crazy giveaway. It's the same deal as before. Retweet us on Twitter, share on Facebook, or leave a five-star review. Basically, anyone engaging with the show will be in with a chance of winning a limited edition I Don't Know the Podcast t-shirt. So with that out of the way, let's do this. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of I Don't Know the Podcast, the Farsight Institute. You may remember all the way back to episode 38, when we learned all those things about remote viewing. Well, the Farsight Institute has taken it to the next level. Not only can they remote view, but they can also go to different dimensions. They can time travel, and they can go to distant galaxies and talk with aliens. And their top guy has even remote viewed Hitler and spoken with Jesus. Could they have achieved what the CIA and millions of dollars couldn't? I don't know. What did he say to Jesus? I don't know. And is it possible that their head, Courtney Brown, could indirectly be responsible for the deaths of 39 people? Maybe. So listen on to find out what else I don't know about the Farsight Institute. The Farsight Institute, according to their website, is the leading civilian research and educational venue for the serious scientific study of the remote viewing phenomenon. It was started by Courtney Brown. He is an actual associate professor of political science at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Brown first learned basic transcendental meditation and an advanced technique called the TM City program in 1991. It was from this practice that Brown learned to remote view and not just in the present, but also traveling in time and to different planets. They've been to Atlantis. They've seen the JFK assassination. They've basically done it all. I come before you today as an Earth human. Here I'm hearing English accents. And there are reportedly alien activities involved with that airport. Whistles, you know, like that. Luckily for us, Professor Brown made a short video explaining what he actually means by remote viewing. What is remote viewing? It's different things 
for different people. Those are actual real pauses. I didn't edit that at all. For myself, I consider remote viewing an alternate means of perception. We have the normal five senses of hearing, touch, sight, taste, and smell. But in addition, we have an intuitive sense that seems to be unbounded in terms of time and space. My wife's intuition is so finely tuned that she knows I'm wrong before I even say anything. We have the ability through training to perceive things that are very far away, many miles away, many kilometers distant, or in the past, present, or the future. He must be dealing very well with the pandemic then. I mean, it sounds like he can just sit at home and still go get to see everything. Many experiments, many experiments have been done to demonstrate that this ability does in fact exist. That's funny because I've read many reports, many reports that say the opposite, but carry on. There is tremendous controversy about why it exists. How could it be? Remote viewing is called remote viewing as if the eyes are the major component or seeing is the major component. But in reality, all of the senses work. It probably should be called remote perception, but the word remote viewing has been used for so long that it basically sticks. Yeah, no one's going to say remote perception. That's a whole syllable more than remote viewing. When one remote views, let's give an example of a visual image to give you an idea of what the remote viewing procedures lead up to in terms of what the perceptions are like. In terms of a visual image... Ugh, now he's put nasty mouth sounds in the middle of his long pauses. You're looking at the screen right now of me recording this particular talk. Now, while you're looking at the screen, imagine a pencil. Okay, I'm doing it. Yep, the pencil is firmly in my mind. See the pencil with the yellow color, the number two on it, the Eberhardt label, the pink eraser, the sharp point. Oh, that's not like my pencil at all. Mine is a black mechanical pencil with a silver end. Now you're bringing that in from the memory, your memory. Actually, I cheated it. It's right in front of me. I don't really need to remote view it because I can see it in situ. Now, the image that you're getting of me on the screen is coming through your eyes, being essentially projected onto a layer of cells in the, in the brain. Well, the remembered image is being projected onto those same cells. The neurologists have sorted this out. And it's here I should point out that his PhD is in political science. He is in no way a medical doctor. But the ocular image, the image coming through the eyes is bright, clear. The remembered image, if you're looking at that pencil with your eyes open, notice that it's a bit translucent. You can sort of see through it. It's not as bright. It's not as opaque. I haven't noticed that at all. He bangs on for a while about how the remote viewing image is crappier than the real image, but it can be improved with training. What training does with remote viewing is it allows the person to separate out, to differentiate the ocular images that are coming through the eyes from the remembered images and the remote viewing images, which are foggier, fuzzier, dimmer. It's like being able to 
perceive the outline of a ship that is being seen in a very dense fog on the coast. You sort of see something there, but you're trying to figure out from the outline what it actually is. That's what a remote viewing image is like, foggier, fuzzier. He's not really selling it very well, is he? So remote viewing, what is it? It's an expanded level of perception. Now there's a lot of physics behind what remote viewing would be. That's a separate question. I think most physicists might argue about that. How can remote viewing actually work? What's the, the physical mechanism by which the images actually get to us in the brain? That's another story. And that is an intriguing scientific puzzle. But the remote viewing experience itself is like I've just described to you. Oh, that's the end of the video. And to be honest, I don't really think I've learned anything. But anyway, with his new skill of remote viewing, Courtney started the Farsight Institute. And according to their website, this is their mission. We exist to serve. Remote viewing is a tool that we use to explore questions relating to consciousness and existence. Contributing to the science of consciousness through investigations into the remote viewing phenomenon is the primary goal and our path for service. And that's what they've been doing. But they're not just remote viewing to physically wander around a foreign city describing what they can see. No, they're using their powers to uncover the great mysteries of the world. And Courtney Brown has trained a group of people that he calls the Young Masters to help him out on this. The Farsight Institute has a YouTube channel on which they post all their remote viewing sessions. A lot of these videos are around two hours long, so I haven't watched those. One of the shorter ones takes a look at the Denver International Airport. The airport has a ton of conspiracy theories attached to it. The Denver International Airport is enormous. It's twice the size of Manhattan and the construction went $2 billion over budget. Is filled with horrible and terrifying artworks. Masonic and Nazi symbol, symbolism is everywhere, apparently. Some say it is the Illuminati headquarters. Others say it's hiding a secret underground reptilian base. So it seems like a good spot to remote view. There is a huge mystery, or rather a set of mysteries, regarding that airport. There are lots of stories about strange things for that airport. Now, some of the artwork around the airport has been said to be associated with cults. The Illuminati is said to be involved. I have heard that there are tunnels underneath that airport that house high-speed rail that connects with secret locations all over the country, and that these are specifically purposed for use with the highest political, economic, and military elite. Wouldn't it be easier for them to get on a plane? I mean, this is an airport. I have heard that there are plans for when there is a global collapse, the royalty of England will land at that airport and be taken with these transport services to secret locations for safe haven. Why would they go to Denver? I'm pretty sure we have underground bunkers here in the UK. And there are reportedly alien activities involved with that airport. The list goes on. So much has been said about that airport, I decided that it was a good idea to do a project specifically on that airport. Yeah, great idea, Courtney. What you are watching now is what we found out. And as you will soon see, we found out a lot. 
We know what is hidden there. Ooh, I can't wait to find out. We have three remote viewing reports for you today, conducted by some of the best and most highly trained remote viewers on the planet. Starting with Princess Janae and then Melina Hall, and finally, Kamaya Dunson. Now, it does seem that most of his star pupils are young women, which is a little creepy. First up is Princess Janae. She's standing in front of a green screen background and she's wearing a tight black latex bodysuit. She stares into the distance and starts describing what she sees. Here I have a structure and subjects and land. Princess, whose name has a capital C as well as a capital P, is apparently one of the better remote viewers. And you can see why. She's spot on so far with structure and subjects and land. Um, very, very level based surface. I, I seem to have some mountains here all around me in the background. Um, very cool temperatures. I see a lot of flying structures in the air emitting energetics. Um, some foliage. There's foliage on the ground here. Mountains and foliage. Yep. And a very, very large structure. It kind of has like a tent-like feel to it. It's peaked here like a circus tent almost on the outside. Um, and it has, again, multiple peaks here. And in my background, it, it almost makes gives me the feeling of the Rocky Mountains here. She's getting oddly specific now. Next, she'll be saying she sees Cinnabon and Peyton Manning. Um, and I'm seeing more and more non-surface structures. They're just moving so fast here. Um, and and they, they kind of remind me of jets. Gray in color, uh, silver, white. She could just say planes. My subjects here, I'm, I'm hearing trying to, to, to pinpoint more of the subjects here. I'm hearing English accents. That's strange. Maybe the queen does have a place there. Some have other accents here. It's like a, a blend, a mixture of accents here, but I still hear English and they sound a little foreign. To you, maybe. We have a farsight procedure called Ndani um, that's going to help me to go inside the target and, and see what's going on. Finally, because I don't think anyone gives a shit about the foliage or accents. Let's get into this Ndani stuff. Princess closes her eyes and breathes heavily. Then she's ready. There are a lot of subjects here. There are like security personnel, um, dark, dark clothing, Caucasian, uh, pale skin color. Um, I'm, 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 I find myself walking down this uh, very, very long path here uh, with uh, walls on the sides. Walls on the sides. Fancy that. On both sides of me, I feel almost closed in. Uh, just just really long hallway uh, or path of some sort. Uh, I, this place feels very secretive. I feel like I am in like a jewelry heist or something. Well, she's certainly dressed for it. Um, it, it almost feels like I'm snooping and, and it's not supposed to be happening. I'm not supposed to be where I am. I kind of feel like I'm breaking the rules. Um, well, you are snooping, aren't you? That's basically what you do. 
I'm inside some place now. It's it's, it's uh, there's a short man with uh with dark hair. Um, I'm hearing rustling sounds, paper, boxes, movement. Um, just. I think she's at Wetzel's Pretzels. It's near the B gates on the mezzanine level. Rustling, just the sound. Those those sounds like moving and rummaging through something. Um, there are a lot of boxes here in this in here, uh, hardwood floors. Uh, you can hear um, you can hear me walking on the floor. It, it sounds like the the echo of walking. You'd think she'd be quieter when remote viewing. There are a lot of tables here and chairs, lights. I'm I'm seeing lights here now. Uh, some some object here looks kind of like a a boomerang. It's got this, this shape here to it, uh, kind of like a boomerang here, or like a weird, um, I'm not sure what it, what it is here. This, this is a very secret room. No one, no one is supposed to be here. No, not too many people know about this. I feel like very select few people know about this entire place here. Oh no, she found the secret boomerang room. I, I, I see these things that, that look almost like trophies or action figures or Barbie dolls, something, the very, very um, figurines here, just, they look like little people, like little statues almost, um, maybe. Trophies or Barbies? I think she must be in the gift shop now. There, there's something like a cell with bars um, over here cage-like. It reminds me of a cage. This this place looks like a Barbie doll toy factory or something. Uh, it's, it's, it's odd. It's something. I've never really seen anything like this before. Again, it's just all these little little people just here. A um, lot of small items with fake amenities. This, this kind of reminds me, makes me feel like I'm in a haunted house or haunted mansion. Uh, it gives me the feel of the house on Beauty and the Beast. It's a boomerang room. It's a trophy place. It's a doll factory. And now it's a haunted mansion. No wonder it went over budget. But she moves on from there and goes to the center. Going here, there's a lot of people um, moving around in all directions. It's uh, like a airport or something here. I see something with circles in it. Uh, it's it's got circles like a spinning top or the blades of a large engine or something uh it just spins and it spins and it's got these different circles a spinny thing i'm not sure if they've got one of those um the target seems to have a very public to be a very public place but with a lot of people and then it's like there's private places with few people. So it's like within this place, there's little secret passages or something rather uh, where that a lot of people don't know about. It's, it's like located in the center of something where you'll see millions of people. But this one place here, only like, I will say like five people know about. Um, so there's a bit with millions of people and another place with five people. So she concentrates on the bit with five people. 
cube-like boxes, books, walls with bars. It's just like, I, I don't want to be caught alone in this place. I feel like I'm going to get captured or something. It's very, um, it's very, it's, it's a very unique type of place here. Boxes and books and somewhere you don't want to be. Is it a WH Smith's? It is, um, it's just, like, do they shrink people and turn them into little dolls? Oh my god. So the Denver International Airport is a secret underground illegal doll factory? Next up to tell us about the airport is Melina. But she also draws what she sees on a whiteboard. She starts off telling us about the level topography and some other very basic stuff. I'm getting heavy man-made smells, like lots of... That could be because of the jack-in-the-box there. It always gives me gas. So here in my first visual, I'm getting a large object. The inside of this object has rows. She's drawing all this stuff, but unfortunately, Melina is not an artist. She goes on for ages describing non-surface structures, or in layman's terms, planes. And there's a lot of long pauses while she draws her childish doodles. So for my last visual for this target, I see an um, object here. Seems like a walk-in type of structure. Or, in other words, a building. Very... It's shaped oddly. I'm getting also a non-surface structure next to it. This is deep underground area where I'm at, so a lot of things are down under this whole surface I'm under. Um, there's also things on the ground, like man-made materials or like just, a, just stuff on the ground. Melina sucks. Just stuff on the ground? At least Princess gave us a human murder doll factory. It's different here, so. And that's what I have for this target. And this was target 51552345. That's all I got. Oh my god, no. That's it? And didn't she sound really baked at the end? Last up is Garmia. She draws stuff as well and appears to have had the same art teacher as Melina. And she begins with what seems to be the customary vagueness. So my basic gestalts here are land, structures, movement, and subjects. She also goes on for a while about non-surface structures and surface structures. So here I'm, I'm getting these feelings of like energetics. There's like smoke nearby and I feel like a lot of um, directional movement here as well. Directional movement? Isn't all movement directional? And I see like a, some, some foliage or something that looks like foliage here. Oh, we got foliage again. Okay, so here I see my subjects. There's only like a couple of them, maybe like two or three. And I see them like walking around outside um, this main structure here. Um, and I can hear, I can hear them talking, but like indistinctly, I don't really hear any like shouting or anything like that, just normal talking. 
and I can hear just um, like plane sounds in the sky or something that sounds like um, planes in the sky. I find it really hard to believe that they haven't been told the location beforehand. They all describe a basic airport, but they find it hard to describe things that would really stand out at the Denver airport. You know, like the Blue Mustang, a 32-foot tall statue of an insane-looking blue horse with glowing red eyes. And it kind of... It kind of smells like a dentist office in here too, and and it, and it is just like boring. Denver International Airport is not boring. Along with the insane horse statue, there are huge apocalyptic murals all over the place. There's even gargoyles. But Carmia completely misses all that as she psychically wanders around. So she invokes Undani and goes further in. Okay, now I kind of hear like sounds of pulsing um, and like constant plane noises, just pulsing planes. And I hear like whistling sounds kind of like whistles, you know? Like that. Oh God, she's high as well. It feels like there's like nothing here, but there's something here. Like, it, I feel like I'm alone, but I'm not alone. Jesus Christ. And then like something, like another shape that I keep seeing is like, shapes like this, like little, little gumdrop candies. And I keep seeing, um, like, Structures that look like little like little huts. Her drawings are further proof that she's stoned or drunk or maybe both. And and inside the structure, it's quiet and it's it feels like maybe it's like someone's home. It just feels like you know there's nothing special about this place. It's just some furniture here, you know, some doorways. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing here. That's just really boring. She drunk rambles on some more and slurs through some more scribbles. And then she gets to a large surface structure. I don't know about you, but to me, this looks like a, like a concentration camp. Um, concentration camp uh, or like a military base. It doesn't look like either. Now I'm going to move up about a thousand feet so I can really see like what this place looks like. If she can't see a giant blue horse at ground level, she's not going to see shit at a thousand feet. Open, rocky land around it. I see nothing. Like there's nothing here. Nothing? It's one of the world's biggest airports. It's two Manhattans. Yeah, I literally see nothing here other than this right here. This is all I see here. Land and these structures and planes in the sky. Wow. See what you can achieve after six months of Farsight training. She describes more nothing for a while until we get to the big finish. I feel like I wasted so much time at a place where like nothing's happening, to go somewhere where nothing's happening. There's n nothing, nothing, you know, 
amazing. It's just there. It's just here. And I can't help but feel I wasted a lot of time listening to that. Thankfully, that was the end of that. All that was left was for Dr. Brown to summarize their findings. There you have it. We have determined without any doubt on our part that the Denver International Airport is an airport. But the Farsight Institute isn't just there to tell you whether a building is an airport or not. They use their powers to study history and to get to the bottom of world's greatest mysteries. I hope you get a chance to watch our recent mysteries project, Moses Beyond Exodus, one of our most amazing projects ever. And please remember to watch some of our other mysteries projects, such as The War in Heaven, and also Tunguska Complexity, Remote Viewing Area 51, the Roswell UFO crash, the investigations into the 9-11 events, the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, the psychology of Adolf Hitler, and some amazing explorations into UFOs and extraterrestrial life. I hope Kamiya doesn't do the Moses or Hitler bits. They're just like these old guys and they're literally doing nothing. But I digress. Courtney Brown not only uses remote viewing to study aliens, he is so attuned that he's able to contact them. And he's even declared himself to be spokesman for humans. And he has a message for the aliens from us humans. This video begins with some very poor green screen stuff going on. Courtney is centre stage and Princess Melina and Carmia, plus some other slim young ladies have all been superimposed onto the picture, but they're all different sizes. Oh, and Courtney is wearing some Matrix style coat and he's talking telepathically, so his lips are not moving and he's gesticulating in a very exaggerated way. Good, you're all here. Let's proceed to the council chambers. You all know the way. I want to thank you for granting me a hearing before this august body. Although my memories have been only partially restored, I sense that I may have stood before you or among you in the past. So yes, he's addressing the Galactic Federation or some other shit on behalf of humanity, despite no one asking him to. I have a feeling that if they'd seen him before, they wouldn't let him back in again. I come before you today as an Earth human, fully human in every sense of the word. I was born on Earth, a product of a human mother and father. I was raised as a human. I was educated as a human. And I had all of the perceptual limitations built into my genetics as would be typical of a normal human. Okay, you're human. I think they got that. My team, which also joins me here today, are also entirely human. Our physical bodies remain on Earth right now, and we have all traveled here of our own accord and using only our own abilities. That's the trouble with these guys. They'll just turn up whether you want them to or not. My physical body is currently in a near dormant condition in a state known on Earth as deep meditation. While my team is fully awake on Earth, while their consciousness has shifted to this location using what humans would call a process of remote viewing. Now my point is that we all stand before you as full humans. Yes, we know you're human. 
except for a minor navigational incident where I was nearly intercepted en route by the Sea Card. I have no idea what that was about, but at least he stopped telling everyone how human he is. We found you using our own human abilities, and we came here using only our own human abilities. Oh, for fuck's sake. We desire only for you to hear what we have to say and for you to hear what we have to ask of you as humans from our imprisoned planet Earth. Please get to the point. You're embarrassing us humans. As you are all fully aware, the war in the Orion system resulted in a large number of refugees to flee to Earth over a great many years. Their normal transference to the planet was to be born there. Eventually, the Orion authorities discovered the refugee outflow and they sent their representatives to transform Earth into a prison planet, extending their tyranny yet again. I didn't read about this. Technology was installed that is well known in the Orion system that erases a subject's memory upon physical death, implants false memories, and then recycles the subject back into another human life cycle, essentially keeping a population under lock and key without an easy way of escape. I never knew about this either. Forces from the Galactic Federation of Worlds managed to disrupt the overt control over the planet by the Orion operatives a few thousand Terran years ago. Those same Orion operatives still performed their repressive duties, albeit on a more limited matter and from hidden retreats. But what is perhaps more disturbing is that the Orion operatives have become allies of convenience to reptilian forces that have established a serious present on Earth. Shit! Reptilians! The real controllers of the planet now are the reptilians, while the Orion operatives act to do much of the reptilian bidding. The condition of humanity on Earth now is one of deep repression. Humans are kept in a constant state of division. Religions and political ideologies have been established that are used to pit one human group against another in a non-ending cycle of violence and terror. I guess he might have a point there. Humans too easily see each other as enemies, and they are powerless to break from this cycle of blame and retribution. Still, there has been progress of a limited nature. Humanity has started to regain some of its collective memory, as is evidenced by such things as human architecture, which now resembles a close parallel to the architecture typical in Orion cities. Really? So there's an alien version of Croydon out there? Humans have also developed sizably in the realm of technology, and if they were left alone, they would undoubtedly be able to achieve interstellar travel capabilities in a relatively short period of time. A situation which I know worries you. Yes, yeah, Space Force! I know that you do not want a chaotic and fragmented humanity arriving at your doorsteps, but that can be changed. Humanity can achieve more than this. Yes, yes, I hear you. I know that humans are not culturally, politically, or emotionally ready to interact with the Galactic Federation of Worlds. Now he's telepathically answering chatter that he obviously put into the soundtrack himself. You should really watch this video, it's extremely odd. As you know, 
The reptilians and the Orions want only to capture the resources of Earth, and humanity's genetic diversity is crucial in this regard. With a mixed gene pool from all over the galaxy due to Earth being both a place of refuge and a dumping ground for the unwanted creatives and more stifling civilizations, the gene pool of humanity is truly remarkable on any standards. Is he getting into alien space sex now? The Orptilians and the Orions want control over that gene pool. If it were not for the inhibiting presence of the forces loyal to the Galactic Federation of Worlds, the Reptilians and the Orions would already be at war fighting over control for that gene pool. They see humanity as no more than a pool of genetic slaves, as well as a resource of slaves for assorted other horrifying purposes. And you all know what they use humans for. I do not need to spell that out here. Yep, I know it. Alien space sex. But is that really such a bad thing? That space pervert Simon Park seems to like it. I can keep my concentration focused on this location for only so long before the needs of my physical body drags my awareness back to Earth. So let me get to the point. It's taken nine minutes to get to the point. Humanity requires your direct intervention to remove the reptilian and Orion forces from Earth. You know that humanity cannot do this by itself. <laughs> you ask, why should I speak for all of humanity? Why should I assume to be their representative? I've been wondering that myself. I was not chosen or elected by anyone on Earth, but there are no elected or chosen representatives among humans who could claim this role. I doubt he even asked anyone else. I guess it could be worse. At least it's not Kamiya. Human leadership on Earth has been totally compromised by the oppressive reptilian and Orion forces, sometimes unknowingly, but often with consent. None can act freely without mental manipulation, bribery, or external pressure. So I do claim the right to represent all of humanity, as is the right of all humans who can find the courage to discard the repressive control common to the Earth environment and reach out to you. Does that mean I could claim responsibility? But I get paid for this sort of thing. I'm not doing it for nothing. I assume that right because I am here. No other reason is necessary. I have broken free from the mental manipulation of the reptilian and Orion forces. Both I and my team have come to you today as free humans. We are evidence, indeed proof, that humanity is worth saving. Didn't he say he was going to get to the point a few minutes ago? If even one human can break free from the totalitarian control of the oppressive forces, then it is evidence that all of humanity has that capability. We come here not to ask you to adopt us as your dependents. We come here to demand that we be allowed to become your equals. Could we be equals? I mean, we couldn't possibly be equal with the Pleiadians. Have you seen how hot they are? Humanity can become one of the greatest contributors to a positive future for the Galactic Federation of Worlds if it can be allowed to exist, free from the forces of enslavement. Judge humanity not by what it is now, judge it by what it can become, under your tutelage, as friends, as equals. He has a much higher opinion of humanity than I do. I ask you to remove the hidden oppressive forces that secretly tyrannize humanity and help Earth humans awaken 
to their true history and their confident destiny. Returning that history to them, that which has been so carefully erased from their collective memory will free them, and it will allow you to see their true value as friends and allies. I still fail to see what the aliens would be getting out of this deal. If you abandon humanity in this moment of greatest need and potential, then you will still have the same war-torn galaxy as you have now, and you will enable the most repressive forces in the galaxy to gain resources that they will ultimately use against you. I know it will not be easy for you to free humanity. The reptilians and the Orions will not leave Earth willingly. But if you assist humanity in its hour of need, you will one day, in the not-too-distant future, find that this same humanity will gladly fight alongside of you as you seek to liberate other worlds under the control of totalitarian forces. These humans will know full well what they are fighting for. Assist humanity now, and you create the potential for the rise of a species with a positive destiny the likes of which this galaxy has never known. That certainly did call for an extended murmuring sound effect. Courtney, let's just go home now. You said your piece. Let's just go. And that's how it ends. Kami is obviously bored and just wants to go home and get drunk. Episode 14, The Farsight Institute. The epilogue. So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that it's highly possible that the Denver International Airport is a front for a murderous toy factory. It's just... Like, do they... shrink people and turn them into little dolls? And we also learnt that when you just want to get high, the Denver International Airport sucks. And it is just like boring. And we learnt that Kamiya even gets bored at the Galactic Federation. Let's just go home now. You said your piece. Let's just go. Dr. Courtney Brown's journey from transcendental meditation to remote viewing and talking to aliens is quite amazing. Now remember, this guy is a real professor. It must be said, however, that the university and his colleagues have distanced themselves and even poo-pooed his research into remote viewing. He was even asked to take part in a test by his fellow professors, simply asking him to tell them what was in another room. He declined, saying he's not allowed to do any remote viewing on campus, which isn't true. But amazing claims can have consequences. Brown originated the myth that there was an alien object following the Hallibop comet. He reported this on Coast to Coast AM in the US saying, the remote viewing results clearly suggest that the object was artificial in nature and it was under intelligent control. This was heard by the Heaven's Gate cult who took this to be a fact and buoyed by this information the 39 cult members committed suicide 
believing that that would be the way to board the alien comet object. So, there's that. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends and let me know. Join the Facebook group and the Instagram, and you can email me at idontknowpod at outlook.com. Special thanks to our logo creator, Raymond Roel of Project Raven Creative. See all his links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and come back next week to find out what I don't know. Designed to do to